Hello, and welcome to a preview for the latest bonus episode of the Radical Thoughts podcast. In this bonus episode, I interview Jean Bajalon, who is a professor of Middle Eastern history at Missouri State University. He is a commentator on international relations and also an editor for the forthcoming Diet Soap Media Empire. In this episode, we discuss international relations and theories of the state on the left and the general incompetency with which most of these conversations are carried out. I hope you enjoy this preview and consider subscribing to our Patreon if you want to hear the full interview. Now that I understand, for example, the impetus among some members of the US left to have an aversion to talking and critiquing things that happen in other countries. I can understand that. You know, it's it's an, a completely logical response to the enormous weight of propaganda that is uh, pushed forward. And I understand also the suspicion of sources. You know, as a historian, one of the things you have to do is assess the validity of sources, how accurate they are, read between the lines. But an important thing to understand is when constructing historical narratives, Sometimes the issue is not whether or not somebody is lying or not lying. It's what is emphasized and what is not emphasized. So you might have, uh, let's say, for example, conservative institutions. You might have conservative institutions uh, who perhaps back research on China, which presents, let's say, negative uh, uh, images of China. That research might actually be quite accurate, right? But, of course, it's it's only presenting part of a story because they're not supporting the research that shows, for example, in other areas, in other fields, that you know Chinese people might be quite happy with some of the rural development projects that have been done. Or Chinese people are quite supportive of the government because of the material benefits that the Chinese government has brought. So, of course, when constructing a narrative, you know, the question is often not outright lying versus you know, uh, uh, truth, but what gets selected into the process of being researched, being forwarded, being presented, being uh, shown in the newspaper. So, you know, uh, if you want to consider, if you're, if you're, uh, uh, if you were in a, uh, any country, you could, you could pick up all the negative events in a country and present uh, a picture of that country as some totalitarian hellhole. You could do that with almost any country in the entire world through just the selection of what news stories you see, you choose to forward and which news stories you choose to downplay or how you choose to frame uh, particular stories. So we have to be savvy consumers of that news. Now, I'm not an expert on China, but, you know, like uh, it's important, I think, to have a kind of uh, uh a smart perspective and try and understand where different perspectives are coming from if the information is accurate. And secondly, and this is a discussion I had, for example, with one of my one of my hardcore Trotskyist friends, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 my hardcore Trotskyist friend is not like these uh, weak um, uh, weak uh, Western Trotskyists who are just basically just social Democrats with Trotsky posters. He's like a hardcore China is a deformed worker state Trotskyist. And we were discussing the Uyghur uh, issue. And I'm not, I don't you know know you know how true these stories are, uh, or you know like 
what's exaggerated, what's real, you know, this, that, and the other. I'm not in a position to make a judgment on that. But the point I made to him, I was like, look, even if, you know, you're, you're telling me that like all this stuff about the Uyghurs is, is uh, false. Okay. But even if it's, it was all true, it wouldn't really change our fundamental desire not to have a cold war with China. Right. You know, like, it, so from my perspective, whether the Uyghurs are brutally oppressed or whether it's or it's just a development program is kind of secondary because at the end of the day, we're not in China. And the last thing we need to do is to promote a Cold War with China. So whether it's false or not is kind of, uh, uh, and, and this may sound a bit cold, is kind of irrelevant to, let's say, our posture towards China in the United Kingdom or United States because anything that the United Kingdom and the United States did to inverted commas help the Uyghurs on the ground would probably make the situation much, much worse, right? So, you know, maybe we could advocate for like, okay, more refugees should come to our countries as a general sense. And that could include Uyghur refugees or what have you, right? But like beyond that, whether or not, you know, there's a brutal repression going on in Xinjiang is kind of wouldn't change one's attitude towards whether or not we would support a uh, a cold war with china and i think uh, i think that's an important you know that's an important thing to recognize right we shouldn't we shouldn't feel a political need to defend things that seem pretty unsavory taking place in other parts of the world you know i don't i don't see a contradiction between for example saying that you know uh for example, maybe the Cuban government have done some things wrong, uh, but at the end of the day, America shouldn't be having a embargo against mm. Cuba. America should be opening up uh, the borders to Cuba. And even if the Cuban regime has some negative aspects to it, then, uh, you know, if we're so worried about negative aspects, why don't we do a little bit more about Saudi Arabia, which is far worse than Cuba, mm-hmm. than uh, than uh, the United States? Expose that kind of hypocrisy. So, you know, I don't have a kind of uh, a need to uh, defend or condemn regimes around the world, right? You know, uh, there is a political position that you can take towards these things, which is related towards your country's posture to them, Right. So, like, maybe Nicolas Maduro is not a great leader for Venezuela, but none of that justifies the United States putting the country on embargo, uh, under embargo, and basically exacerbating the economic deterioration in that country. Uh, we actually have, you know, by even saying that, we can say, like, look, this is this is actually... You complaining, you know, liberals and conservatives complaining about so-called human rights issues in these countries is really like a, a, a separate issue from what the state's policy is towards these countries and the deleterious effect of those policies towards uh, those those countries. So I don't have, you know, I don't have an aversion to critiquing or like discussing in a like concrete way. And I trust leftists to, you know, understand the difference between saying like, yeah, it's maybe not a paradise in North Korea, Mm -hmm. but at the same time saying like a war 
or escalation by the United States with North Korea is bad. Often the discourse I hear from the left uh, when you mention any of this is that you're just priming the left to support war with North Korea, China, Venezuela, and things like that. And I actually think this is a very condescending way to look at leftists as if, you know, like they're so stupid that like they can't hold two thoughts in their head that maybe North Korea was not like the socialist paradise that the government portrays that, while at the same time saying that uh, having a war with North Korea would be catastrophic and disastrous for not only the North Korean people, but for probably the entire population of North, you know, Northeast Asia, right? And so I, I find this kind of condescending uh, approach, like any any criticism of these countries uh, or any discussion of these countries based in, you know, anything that is not fawning uh, uh, praise for them is priming people to support, you know, war or sanctions and things like that. I find that as not particularly helpful and um, frankly, kind of condescending. If we lie about conditions in a particular country as the left for good political reasons, why would people trust us when they find out perhaps that the, the, the story that we've been spinning them is not, you know, is not true? And I think another issue with that kind of relates to that is um, that kind of difficulty of what, what does it mean to acknowledge that uh, leftists or socialists or communists in you know, most Western countries are probably politically quite weakened, you know, because um, because it's one of those things that it's like, it, I think that if every like the vast majority of leftists in the USSA exists started talking about how most of these like, like a lot of these countries that are are actually existing socialist states maybe aren't like what we would want to be true pure communism in the future or something as like how they exist right now would have to be changed or developed or feature more uh more workers power or something like that like I still don't think that would really change much of the American discourse at the moment. Like, I don't think that that is a deciding factor. And so discussing, yeah, like viewing it as an attempt to understand what's happening realistically, I think is uh, more important because it's from a perspective of weakness for a lot of these movements rather than viewing it as, oh, if we, if we change our opinion and, and are more critical um, even if it's not, you know, condemnation in in a totalizing sense, like that, that is going to cause a wave of <laughs> warmongering at exactly. a political level. Like, like uh, I, I, who's listening to us for us to do that? Exactly. I mean, I find that as like a very strange kind of argument. I mean, like, let's take, uh, you know, and there's, there's a kind of inverse to this, you know, we don't have to be completely critical of all these countries as well. You know, we can look at countries like Vietnam, Cuba, China, and say, hey, you know, there's actually things that those societies and those states do better than uh, the countries uh, in the West, right? You know, they, they are countries with state interests, with all these, uh, you know, factors in with one another. So, um yeah, it's it's a very kind of strange argument because I don't think, for example, if 
people were condemned, you know, like if people say like, oh, you know, there's some labor abuses taking place in China or Vietnam or wherever it is. I don't think suddenly all those people who say that would be like, we need to invade those countries <laughs> and liberate their workers using the US military, right? And again, like you say, no one's listening. The, the left is super powerless, right? So that's like one aspect of it. And the other aspect is the American left is like super parochial, right? You know, it's um, most American leftists are like interested in domestic affairs. Mm -hmm. And when we do have discussions of foreign policy, they tend to be framed within this simple, simplistic, moralistic, good versus bad, right? And, and this leads to bizarre uh, and also a kind of inverse anti-Americanism, right? So, for example, you know, I can get why a leftist might, for example, uh, defend Vietnam or China, right? Those are at least nominally socialistic. But you have people on the political left defending Putin, defending Assad, defending the Islamic Republic of Iran, which are not even nominally leftist regimes. They're right-wing regimes. They just happen to be counter-hegemonic, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that would be the equivalent of, you know, I mean, it's not an exact equivalent, but like being, you know, being in the United States and in the 1930s and defending, let's say, Japan, because it's because Japan is, is counter hegemonic to the United States, but ignoring, you know, the kind of the imperial policies of Japan as well. These are two capitalist powers. One is weaker, one is stronger. Uh, one is, you know, hegemonic, one is counter hegemonic. But neither of them are like revolutionary powers, right? Yeah. Russia is not a revolutionary power. Iran is not a revolutionary power. Uh, Assad's regime is not a revolutionary uh, revolutionary power. They are right-wing regimes that have fallen out with the, with the kind of uh, American-dominated world order. Uh, and again, as uh, people on the American uh, left, we should not be supporting escalation with these countries, right? We should be supporting diplomatic engagement, opening up relations, normalization, and those kind of things. But we shouldn't be deluding ourselves about what the character of these regimes are. I see people on, you know, people, particularly with regards to Iran and um, uh, uh, Syria, people on the political left in the West, basically buying into state propaganda and having, you know, you know, platforming, you know, spokesmen for these regimes and softballing them. I don't have a problem with platforming anybody, to be honest, but softballing these kind mm -hmm. of people, you know, it's kind of it's kind of ridiculous. And then if you critique this, you're suddenly a CIA tool, so it's a tool of the, you know, uh, uh, imperialism, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and the irony is, you know, like you go to a place like Iran, the, left, the leftists in Iran hate the regime, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, because because that doesn't fit into the narrative of America bad. And uh, if you oppose America, itself, you know, de facto, you're a good a good guy. Those people get like pushed out of the conversation or uh, at best or or at worst, you know, condemned as being, you know, American stooges and tools as if they have no agency. That's it for this preview. Thank you for listening, and if you want to hear the full interview, you can subscribe to our podcast 
Patreon for $3 a month. If you want to show support to the show without paying money, we always appreciate positive reviews on iTunes or other podcatchers, or sharing or liking our Facebook content or Twitter content. We hope that you find this content interesting, and we hope that you'll join us next time for our discussion of Jacques Rancière's On the Shores of Politics. Thank you very much.